1: You can move to a different country. You can change your name. Hell, you can make cinematic history and cast Putin as the next Bond villain because he would be excellent. But nothing, nothing can save you from. Hello, watch list. Good evening, everybody. That is actually probably one of the only wisecracks I will make during the show today since we are discussing a heavier topic, which I'm very excited about because um, I'm going into this totally blind uh, and I'm looking very much forward to being. Educated on this, um, but before we do that, my name is Casey Pearson. As always, my co-host, Miss Holly Ogden. Hi, guys. And of course, on the ones and twos, Miss DJ Jess. Hi. Hey. And we have some <laughs> guests with us today, which I will have Holly introduce because she worked so hard to coordinate this show for you guys, and I'm, I'm, I just can't be more
2: excited about this. I have my friends Joseph Sakura here and Linda Cottrell.
3: Please
4: Hello. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> it's nice to be here.
2: Nice having you guys. Thank you for joining us. And beautiful Royal Oak.
3: Th- this was awesome. We uh, actually hit a craft brewery right around the corner.
2: Oh, really? Which one? Uh,
3: Bestone. Bestone.
2: I've never even been there. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's uh, Michigan Craft Beer. So that's yep. our kind of our namesake because where we go. We try to hit the craft beer breweries.
1: What do you normally prefer? Like what's your favorite brew?
3: I'm an Imperial or a Dark Stout. I don't, I like the, I don't do light.
4: I like the Blondes. Getting okay. into some pale ales. Yeah. So
1: we got dark and we got pale. Yeah. Got the two. Well, I guess that makes for a great conversation. So it's really cute. <laughs> we
4: take a picture at every brewery we go to of our two glasses.
1: Oh, very oh, nice. It, cute. It,
3: real quickly, if I could expound a little bit on the, the reason why we do craft breweries so much. Sure. Is that the humulus lupulus, which is hops to brewers, they all know what I'm talking about, that's on the Sesquiter Oil chart that has redeeming properties for the human DNA. So right above that is the helichrysum oil which is a plant that grows in southern Europe and northern Africa it's a a, a yellow kind of low co- ground cover flower but the oil from that is the most anti carcinogenic anything that you can put in the human body period
2: really so we're actually drinking beer
4: is good for you drinking yeah. beer I mean
3: Actually so, has redeeming qualities for your health.
4: If anyone's into essential oils, you'll find helichrysum essential oil highly um, um, helpful.
2: Casey and I actually are both massage therapists, so we do use essential oils. We'll have to actually look that up, or maybe he's actually know something about that. Do you?
1: Can I massage somebody with Eric the Red because it's that's my brew of choice. <laughs> I, that was my second rice crack last one. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> but we aren't – believe it
2: or not, we're not here to talk about beer. But <laughs> – Tell us a little bit about Truth Train.
3: Well, Truth Train is Todd Wilkie, actually, whom I became friends with a little over a year and a half ago. Todd Wilkie has truthtrain.org, and he does the group Truth Train on Facebook. Mm-hmm. He has a plethora of information if you want to research anything in the medical Field up as as far as uh, vaccines and vaccine injuries. Him and I became friends. Um, he prints shirts. He's got a company he runs out of uh, the shop where he works at during the day. They let him kind of sublet it at night, and they print up shirts. So he prints up the shirt that I'm wearing tonight. My His va- shirt
2: say, says "Vaccines Harm Bro."
3: So, and being that I, I promote Detroit Remedy clothing because he is in Detroit. And he's pushing the truth, and we and we wear it on our clothes, so it's kind of cool. But because we wanted to do something more than just the shirts and more than just the Facebook, I was already on the radio with Cave Radio Broadcasting. I can say that on Podcast Detroit. But, yes. <laughs> but so I, I was already on Freedom Works with my buddy Tony Schwartz. I grew up with in Redford, so we kind of expanded a little bit and talked about vaccine injuries while he's political, more political based than I am. So when the opportunity opened up for a time slot, I jumped on it and and I created Truth Train Radio.
4: Because together, uh, we talk about health a lot. Um, When we met, I'm talking about health, kind of more the healing part. Um, You know, drinking more water, sleep, sunshine, exercise, all the essential oils, herbs, plants, and all that. So I was researching that. And and then I get with him and um it's kind of a cool thing. We're getting out anatomy books and we're looking at stuff and how to heal and then he he suggests the show. I'm like,
3: let's just do it. Let's
2: How long wanna... have you guys been doing a radio show?
3: It's coming up on uh, January 26th will be a year. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: congratulations. Well, yeah. congratulations.
1: Congratulations.
3: And we opened our our first show with uh Dr. Randy Tent out of Diverse Health Services in Novi. He's a chiropractor that has a PhD in nutrition. In mm-hmm. and Andy and he's a naturopathic doctor as well, but he is known around the world for his YouTube seminars. Yeah. He is awesome. I mean, it's, to talk to the guy, it, he's really cool to begin with. But
1: What kind of seminars?
4: Well, lectures. Like Lecture. health lectures. He goes to uh, the library or the, the local hotel. Um, a couple hundred people show up to listen. They tape it. So they're all on his YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. What but are it, some of the subject matters? Oh, Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. There's uh, just a few off the top of your head. It's, it is it is about health. It's kind of like what we talk about. Right. Um, if you take chemicals, this is what's going to happen. Okay. And he, he, he could explain everything. So just a side note, uh, Dr. Tent and uh, Joe get along great. And Dr. Tent kind of feeds Joe information. Um, and mm-hmm. we talk about it on the show. And it's kind of interesting because sometimes doctors m- might get in trouble if they go off the path that they're s- not supposed to be on.
3: I'm an electrician by trade, so I can't but he could prescribe say, or yeah. diagnose. He could say right. whatever he wants. I can recommend you look into a field of study and that you can find your own answers is what I do.
1: Right. I mean, just like us, we have to say my best speculation. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to word it right because, I mean, you got to walk a fine line, unfortunately. So
3: if you want... To go back to the origin and why I even do this to begin with um, is because of my 32-year-old, I call her my baby sister. Um, I was 14 years old when she was born, and I went with my mother to go get my sister vaccinated. So at six months old, I'm with my mother. I watched the injection. Not soon after that, I had to hold my six-month-old baby sister while she went into a 15-minute-long grand mal seizure. To make sure she would breathe again hardest thing I've ever done in my life so from that point on I saw what happened I know what she was like before the shot I watched her eyes changed I watched the light go out in my sister so she used to grab my finger she used to respond to being tickled she used to look you in the eyes and get eye contact all of that stopped after that injection she's 32 years old she has cerebral palsy epilepsy and autism from one shot.
2: How old did you say that she was when she first got the injection?
3: She got her first injection at four months old. She cried inconsolable for about four hours. There was nothing we could do to stop her from crying. Concerned about it, we contacted a pediatrician. So going in for her six-month well baby visit was supposed to be finding out what the original shot had done. And instead, he just gave her another shot. And it was that shot at six months old that caused her to go off the deep end gave her the mitochondrial damage, put the virus inside the cell, and turned off her neuro de- neurodevelopment right then and there. So for 32 years, I've been telling people what I saw, and they try to argue with me, tell me that I don't remember my history correctly or that it was a, pre-genetic, a genetic predisposition or some kind of other bullshit you know, story. So I sit down and I study molecular structure of the immune system, and I know how to cure my sister. I know how to cure cerebral palsy. I know how to cure epilepsy. I know how to cure autism. I know how to cure AIDS, fibromyalgia, ALS, MS, every neurological disorder, and every autoimmune disorder. And I don't say that lightly. So, And it's because I sit down and I research. When I argue with PhDs, it takes me about five minutes to make them look like a complete idiot, which scares the shit out of me because I'm an electrician. I should not know more than a medical PhD.
2: Um, So do we currently have Lisa on the line? Mm -hmm. Lisa Walker, are you there? Yep, Yep. I'm here. Okay, can you hear what we've been saying? Oh, wait, he he has headphones. Okay. Um, Okay, sorry, we're trying to figure out headphone situation right now because we want to hear you, everyone to hear you. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we were just talking about Joseph's sister, who was vaccinated and and he saw a change in her. Um, So sorry. Um, Sorry, Lisa, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just listening um, to the story and I was thinking um, my whole thing was like when I had Priestley, um, she was just born. She was like five pounds and they wanted to give her the hepatitis B vaccination. And for me, I'm like, she just came out of me. Like, I don't want to. Put anything into her body, and they were really pressuring me to do it. I didn't. I didn't do it. And then um, when we went to the pediatrician like a week later, they were grilling me basically about why I don't want to get this vaccination. And then I got lectured and all the stuff. And I still didn't do it. And then I came back. Every time I came back for her well visits, they wanted to um, you know give her the vaccinations. And for me, it was like <laughs> this baby is like five pounds, six pounds, seven pounds, and you guys wanna put all this stuff in her, they wanna give her six vaccinations at one time. And I mean, back in like nineteen eighty 1980 and nineteen eighty one, you know, vaccinations, you you got like maybe one or two at a time. They didn't load you up with six vaccinations at once. And for me I just feel like they're just bombarding the babies with these vaccinations. Um I don't I don't really know we don't really know First of all, we don't really know what's causing, um, you know, all these problems that are happening, vaccination injuries and all this, like, um, autism and things like that. I think that there needs to be more, um, like testing because not, maybe not every child is a fit for all these vaccinations. That's why I was trying to talk a little bit about the N T H F R mutation, um, The other day when we were on Facebook, and you actually, um, Joseph, were doing a lot of research on it, and you explained it to me in a better way, in more of a scientific mm, way.
2: Can you explain to me or to anyone who's listening what exactly that is? Either you, Lisa, or Joseph? The M.T.? She's still there? Are you still there, Lisa? I'm sorry, yeah, I'm I'm
0: in my basement right now, so I couldn't... Um, well, it's basically like it's a gene. When I was pregnant with Priestley, I found out that I had the the this gene mutation, and I was like um, wondering, um, you know, what it was. So I did a little bit of research on it, and it's basically like um, a folate type of def- deficiency, and your body um, has all these functions to process uh, process uh, folate, and um, it's if it basically is like the what did you say it was like the ink that makes the printer work
3: yeah if it's a liver dysfunction partly partially um, attached to uh, thrombocytopenia or the the hemolytic uremic uh, purpura that they talk about that that's that's an issue with the, like the b12 when I was talking about the b12 it Your liver needs B12 in order to print the mRNA, the mitochondrial uh, RNA trigger or signal from the bone marrow that is your blueprint of who you are from your epigenetic cell, from your first somatic cell, your diploid cell from when sperm and egg come together. That trigger from your red bone marrow tells your liver, basically, this is what you need to stamp your brain says, I need more blood cells, I need more skin, I need more bone. If your liver does not have enough B12, it's basically like the printer running out of fluid. So if the printer's trying to print and there's nothing to print with, then now you get a distorted gene mutation. You get blurred horizontal gene expression. So that it's, an, it's an issue. When you have other viruses and other DNA floating around through your body, now your body will start to attach to those other DNA, which is wrong, which is very bad because you don't know how to respond to foreign DNA in your immune system.
2: So if you, if you were have this like Lisa does and you have vaccinations d- done, is there a higher chance of a instance such as autism or any other harmful occurrences if you have vaccinations done, especially too soon?
3: Well they did they they changed the um, in Japan they actually stopped doing the MMR vaccine so early they they started doing it at two years old and they found out that there was a severe reduction of neuro injuries basically from that not that they didn't happen they just happened later on in life so Japan was in the process of actually getting rid of that altogether because they found that there's a correlation. They say correlation, causation. It's, there's that whole phonetic and linguistic argument you know, that they make with vaccination rates and autism. But when you confuse, I'll put this in a different way. I'll try to get through it quick. Okay, so sperm and egg come together. They make a diploid cell. That diploid cell becomes somatic. That somatic cell sends a frequency trigger to the mother's brain the mother's brain now sees that there is a life in her and she needs to send g-proteins from her liver to the womb to create that child because there's no other way of doing it so the mother knows to send the g-proteins to the womb with tags on every protein that gets made by the liver so you have t3 and t4 hormones that help guide those g-proteins to the womb where they go and then you have cyclic adenosine monophosphate that those G proteins ride on to the womb like a taxi cab but the frequency from the mother's brain to her liver to stamp the correct signature from what she's interpreting the signal she's getting from her somatic cell is giving her a chromosome alignment to say that I need these things for my first stage of development per what my blueprint is telling you so if her liver cannot produce those correctly to the- to the blueprint there is going to be issues there's going to be a malformation uh something's going to be incomplete
1: yeah the genetic code gets lost in translation you
3: get the genetic code will be lost so and I have made a connection because of my first wife got had a baby that never developed kidneys
4: after you got divorced
3: it, it, yeah this was recently so yeah we're in this long after we were divorced but and I tried to tell her if she's a nurse which is very difficult sometimes to get in through nurses you know when when you know certain things because they know certain things what they're told you know we all go to school and we believe what we're being told so I told her do not get the flu shot because she was talking about how they want her to get the flu shot she was seven eight weeks into gestation and she got the flu shot. And then she wondered why her baby never developed kidneys. So, so I looked at it in-depthly and I found out that when you introduce aluminum hydroxide onto the vagus nerve, which is the main liquid substrate, the liquid substrate of vaccine delivery into the body, you have to there has to be something to carry it, right? Aluminum hydroxide is that liquid that carries it into the body. When it gets in on the vagus nerve, it it sh- creates a short circuit on the vagus nerve to where whatever signals are supposed to be going through the right at that point in time are lost. They're having babies that are born without brains, without limbs, without particular organs because the mothers are getting injected with aluminum hydroxide at that particular point of gestation and the baby's proteins from the mother's liver never got stamped and they never got sent.
4: There are a lot of babies uh, being killed in the womb from the flu shot.
3: Right, and phthalates and drinking water, which is what makes vinyl soft. Phthalates actually will, will uh, terminate a pregnancy two months in from drinking plastic bottled water.
1: See, not to stray too far from the subject, but the, the flu shot was one thing that just really threw me when it first came out because they treated flu as if it was an epidemic, and I'm like... This is flu season. We we go through this all the time. You know, take your vitamin C, and you how, know, how so part of our,
4: what we talk about flu season, it's a time where we sit indoors in a dry house. Don't get vitamin D. So mm-hmm. take your vitamin D. Um, make sure there's humidity.
1: Right. In-house. Take care
4: of yourself. Like, um, like yeah. who who
1: decided to deem this an epidemic?
2: Get you know, vitamin like, C, and everybody believed it. Like oh, they said on the news it's an epidemic. What? It's the flu. The flu Come shot on is I one that I'm against. I will never get. And I feel like the doctors are always trying to push it on you anytime yeah. that you go in for they, a checkup yeah. or anything like that. They get money for it. That's what I figured too I to is that they get job money at for
5: the it
3: how, how do they know the epidemic or the season's going to be the way it is before the season even starts? How, exactly. how can they, you know, because they inject it
2: into people. Mm. <laughs> I mean
0: now, going it's back to big pharmacy. It's big pharmacy money. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, but going it's back a, it's a. It's a it's a billion
4: dollar business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking when um, my doctor brought it up, saying really pushing it and make me feel a little uncomfortable about it. Is that I felt like he was probably getting money off of it, just like did you do other pharmaceutical companies pushing and you know they always recommend certain things. A lot of uh, people
1: that my coworkers that were injected, like a lot of them were sick and out
2: for two weeks. Yeah, that's actually an, a Nothing normal occurrence. To me, that I think. Yeah,
1: but I mean. You know, mm-hmm. I remember they were putting the needle in, I was like, This is communism. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, she told me that. She's yeah. like,
2: I feel like this is communism. I just
1: I I did, but you know, it wasn't the lady's fault that was injecting me, she was just doing her job and I wanted to keep my job, so and it was it was just a one time thing, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never got it again. I
0: don't like how they, they tell you what you have to do with your body. I don't. I don't think that's right. No, I, I don't think that so either. I think that should be completely illegal because they do that at the hospital that I work at too. Like it's, it's mandatory; everyone has to get a flu shot.
2: But you said and that I don't like that, Lisa. You said that if you that you do have the option, though, right? But if you don't have the flu shot, you just have to you have to wear a mask all the time, correct?
0: Yeah. Yes. You, you can sign a waiver, like a religious waiver or a medical waiver, and you have to wear a mask for the whole flu season if you're around patients.
2: Jesus said no. But not, <laughs> but not all hospitals are like that where they give you an option or you may lose your job. That's right. They're
0: starting to be like that now where it's mandatory.
1: Oh. Yeah. See, mine
2: They're they they, they
3: wouldn't give like
1: you the that. option. There was no option to wear a mask. I know. You had to get it.
3: I know people that worked at uh, I, university hospital that actually lost their jobs because they got so sick from the flu shot. Mm. <laughs> they went off on a medical and they got fired.
2: Wow. Well,
1: it's like if well. <laughs>
3: So Experience
1: go figure. It? <laughs> it's I, I just like the lunacy of it. You're just like, well, because it stopped production on work,
2: but you gave it to me. What? No, this should be this
1: should be legal. I'm sorry.
2: You didn't react to it up. the way we wanted you to, so now you lose your job. Right. You got sick from it.
4: That's it, it, a hell of a way to downsize. So we try to turn it back on him, ask him what's in it. Tell me what's in it first. You know? Ask your boss. Ask your, ask your boss. What's in it? You know, just keep saying because
3: uh, you got to know what's I'm in. Just
1: the needle pusher, you know, like well, yeah. I, like, tell and
3: me, I, I spin it back around in a way that because um, I I don't like to be derogatory and I don't like personal attacks. I get I get enough of them already. I'm sure, but I say okay. Well, if if you're going to force this injection on me, okay, I'm going to bring a needle in. I'm going I'm going to bring a needle in and I'm going to inject you first. Mm-hmm. And then they look at me like, do you out of your fucking mind?" Right. And I said, well, wait a minute. Well, you just said you can inject me and it's perfectly legal. What if I want to inject you? And they go, well, I've got an MD. I've got a title. I've got a PhD. I've got a whatever. And I've got a tag on the file that says it's flu vaccine. I said, well, bullshit. Pull the tag off that vial and tell me what's in that vial. You have no idea. Nope. If you have no idea what's in that vial, even when the tag is on it, how the hell are you going to stick it in me? You, it could be bleach. It could be pancuronium and, uh, bromide.
2: Lisa, what when
0: were you I, guys? when I uh, when they were trying to um give um the hepatitis um B vaccination when she was first born, I asked them why she needed it. Yeah. Um and the nurse just basically said that her whole explanation was that they're try they wanna get the babies um they wanna like go ahead and get it over with so that it kind of like eradicates the um the hepatitis B, and I'm like, well, what? What exactly is the hepatitis C? I don't understand. Well, she could get it if she's playing at the park and there's, you know, like a needle, or she hurts herself and somebody else has it. And I'm like, yeah, but she's, I mean, she's a week old. She's not going to be at the park for a while. Does she really need this? Like right now? Yeah.
4: Can't it wait till I mean, five. No. <laughs> till she plays with ridiculous. needles. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I was I mean, I'm not planning on you know putting her in the park with with meals, but she she was only like you know, a couple of days old
2: when they were like trying to, to give her this you know vaccination. Here. Here. And so why do you feel like they're trying to push more vaccinations all at once uh, when they're so young? Versus maybe when they spread it out more back when vaccinations first came out? Or yeah, it's a good well, question. Well, they're
0: coming out with more and more vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Then. ever, So, I mean, and and it it is easier to vaccinate a baby that can't, you know, like basically when they're like right now, my child's three years old. If I took her to go get a shot, it would be it would be insane.
2: Would that she would have a fit? Here's my thought process. If it is true that vaccinations harm and are negative, do you think that they're trying to do these things when they're babies now so that you don't you can't blame the downfall of your child on them because then you wouldn't notice the change like you would if the child was older and you started seeing all these signs well my child used to talk this way and they used to act this way where well, a baby is only capable of so much right you had nothing to compare it to yeah. Because well that's an interesting theory um, when I well, researched is- it a little bit I, I obviously don't know as much as you guys do they were saying that no, um, shots don't cause autism because the signs of autism you wouldn't really see till maybe they were six months old anyways, and that's just confusing um, because you're getting the vaccinations and it's around the same time that the autism would show up anyways, so people are just confusing it for the vaccinations, but their child really already had autism is mm. what the uh. the government is saying.
3: Right. I think it's condition. really
2: wild how you have all
0: these like kids and they're they're absolutely functioning fine, and you even have them like on, on video functioning just fine, and then they go get like the MMR, and then they come home and they're never the same. And and I mean, it's just, it's not like just a few parents saying this; it's thousands of parents mm. saying this,
4: Thousands and then
0: they're just trying to act like, oh yeah, it's not the vaccination; it's not the vaccination.
2: Here's my thought process on it because Casey and I. Are coming in, like we said, we are coming into this with an open mind. We don't know much about it, like, and right. we haven't done. And we have major to research.
1: completely subjective.
2: Um, I have always been pro-vaccinations, but I am. I do have an open mind, so if I hear things, I will. I will take that into account, and I, you know, my mind will change if I feel it is valid points. Um, but right now, my thought process is, I do believe that the government is out for themselves. Um, they are very much money hungry. And if that means killing off people or crippling them, I feel mm. like they could possibly do that. They've done that in other ways. Population control. Uh, sure. Can you imagine how much I, money they're getting from when they cripple everyone? Exactly. Right in the care industry. I feel like vaccinations started off as a good thing. I feel like we did need them to control certain diseases. But maybe over time the government became greedy and took what was a good thing and maybe started turning it into a bad thing because it has controlled a lot of diseases. But I can see someone be like, well, what if we made this and this and this that they don't really need or included these Mm -hmm. ingredients into it to make it cheaper so we can make more money off of it. Mm -hmm. And maybe those ingredients are not what is best for the person because maybe that actually in the long run causes certain side effects or causes disease right that's what they do you with food
0: what? not every not every I, I feel like not every not everybody is a fit for vaccination like i i think vaccinations is, is, is a wonderful thing it's the best thing that we can have for you know eradicating all these diseases that, that people have died from so i'm not like an anti-vaxxer but i, I definitely think that um um but not everybody is right for vaccinations, and maybe like with the mTHFR, and maybe people need to get tested to say you have this deficiency. You might not be right. Your body might not be able to process the ingredients that are in this vaccination. So maybe we should start testing people prior to vaccinating them. Somehow do more research into why is this happening. Why are vaccination uh, injuries happening? Maybe we should do studies uh-huh. on finding out if you're more susceptible to a vaccination injury, then you shouldn't have a vaccination.
3: Are you You know? Are, you, are you familiar with O-positive blood?
0: Uh, yes.
3: Are you familiar that O-positive blood has a stronger resilience to adjuvant poisoning than the all of the other blood types? No. So that when a child specifically has a different reaction from another child, it may be that that child has O-positive blood and the other one does not.
0: Exactly.
3: So, and when they I mean take, that's
0: exactly
3: it. When they take, now I'm going to get into the dark side of this. This is the part that scares me and really bothers me and causes me to have nightmares. They take aborted fetal cell lung tissue, MRC-5, and they put it in vaccines and they inject it into children. They do not know what the blood type was of the MRC-5 donor. They don't care. They put it in the vaccine. So now you're mixing potential blood types. You're mixing DNA. DNA. The H-E-K-293 are kidney cells from aborted fetuses that they put in vaccines. They do not check the blood type. They do not care what the DNA stamp is on that. They put it in vaccines. Those go into children. Now, the children that get those, their immune systems are doing their damnedest to try to fight that off. Type O positive has a better time of fighting that off than all of the other blood types. So... If you get to a certain point of injection of that material, you have a tipping point. It's when you get to that tipping point that the neurological damage becomes exposed.
4: Well, what's more damaging, human DNA or the animal DNA? the Cow and
3: dog, pig
4: and, and dog yeah. and monkeys and those insects.
3: Well, the original polio vaccine, I'm, I'm glad Holly brought this up. The original polio vaccine, my second wife, whom I'm not married to anymore was from Malawi, South Africa. I learned quite a bit by being married to her. I got to talk to her father. Her dad was a general in the Malawi Army. Her dad was a dignitary in the UN for 12 years, best friends with Pope John Paul II. My ex-father-in-law told me about the murders from the mass vaccination from the polio vaccine that swept through Africa starting in 1955 to the point where Malawi and several other countries that were English colonies fought for independence because the English were mandating vaccines that were killing their children. There was mass murder. There was over 100,000 Africans murdered within the first 10 months of mass vaccination with the polio vaccine. It's funny that they don't talk about that around the world.
1: Hmm. Now, is this same polio vaccine the one that we use?
3: It's a different strain, different strain. Okay, but it's still active. It's not attenuated. It's a live virus, and that is the reason I believe that polio still exists today. If you look at how polio started, paralytic, paralytic polio, mostly it was directly correlated to the DDT use on farm farmlands and in they sprayed school grounds with children and playing in the playgrounds with DDT. Like it was a game. And then soon after, all of these kids started getting paralytic polio. They stopped using DDT. The kids still have this paralytic polio. I work with someone who actually had it at seven years old in an orphanage in New York. Orphanages are cheap, they don't want to spend money on children, right? So the only thing they knew what to do when they found out she had paralytic polio was they took the sugar and red meats out of her diet. Within a year, her paralytic polio was gone. You uh-huh. would never know that she had it today. So the SV40 virus, I'll expound on the polio vaccine a little bit. The SV40 virus, simian virus number 40, which is the 40th virus that they found, actually is the reason why there is AIDS today, period, from the polio vaccine.
4: Which was specifically in the polio vaccine from 1955 to 1963. Yes. And so, they knew it caused cancer they knew it. and AIDS.
3: So it causes cancer. It causes AIDS. It's the leading cause of mesothelioma.
4: Later in life. So you don't get that right away.
3: Right. These are something that are developmental. They come on as your genes start to change and your DNA starts to change and your telomeres shorten.
2: How did you come across that that's how it uh, what causes HIV? Just your research and the um, CDC putting knew it. everything together?
3: The CDC knew it. If you look into CDC's own records, archives, Dr. Bernice Eddy was the virologist that worked on it with Jonas Salk, the creator of the vaccine. The both of them went on national television in 1956 and told the world, do not take this virus vaccine. It will cause an epidemic that the world has never seen. So the World Health Organization basically threw them under the bus. So, oh, you guys need to go away. We're taking your vaccine and we're running with it, regardless of what you told us.
2: So this might be, <clears throat> excuse me. This might be a dumb question, but uh, why are they using different strange strains in different countries of polio? Yes,
3: it could be. It doesn't make any sense if polio is a common uh, viral attack, right? Then what would difference would it make? What country of origin it would come from, and would it be culture gender specific? Only if they have a gender specific target. If you understand Planned Parenthood and why they were created, all of those vaccines that Planned Parenthood push are gender specific targeted.
1: Do you think it's a mass sadistic clinical
2: trial?
3: It's a culling. that's actually
2: what I was thinking.
3: It's a culling actually. If you, if <laughs> you understand the Agenda Twenty One, right? UN Agenda Twenty One is the population control of the world, Mm -hmm. basically, and Healthy Systems 2020 is in our government waiting for signatures to force over 300 FDA-approved mass vaccinations upon all adults in the United States. When that happens, there's going to be death like we have never seen before, and there's going to be a war. So be ready for it.
2: I was actually thinking exactly what Casey said, Um, maybe doing a, a test run, because uh, you wouldn't hear about it as much in America if they used it in right. other countries and they wouldn't have to worry about it, you know, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. But, um, which is very scary uh, that they would want to do that if if that was the case. <clears throat> Almost like a biochemical warfare.
4: Yeah. That's what they call
1: it.
3: So if we around the world, they've got issues with all of these vaccines that they're pushing around the world. If you look at Kenya recently... Same being because I was married to somebody from South Africa. I know people from Kenya, Mozambique, uh, uh, Nigeria, and all those different countries that have been affected by vaccination. Kenya, just recently, all the women in Kenya are sterilized because they put the HZ, HCG antigen in the DTP shot that's, that went over there, the tetanus shot that they gave all the women. When you put the human growth, hormone that causes baby to develop in with the shot you create the antigen for it by a viral attack everything that's in there with that peanut proteins, egg proteins cat proteins, dog proteins, you're going to be allergic to every one of them, you're going to have an immune response to every single one of them proteins that's in there, so when they put that hormone in there, it caused all the women in Kenya to be sterilized by mass vaccination <laughs>
4: You know, the um, bad vaccines in the United States that uh, they kind of got caught with these bad batches, well, they didn't get put in the dump. They call them hot batches. They got shipped to other countries. Jeez.
3: (laughs) So if I could finish on Malawi real quick, there was an MMR uh, mass vaccination coming through recently in the last couple of years where 132 families found out that the vaccines were coming to their village and they know that the many children were dying in the other villages from this vaccine. So they packed up, and they walked into Mozambique across the border to get the hell out of, out of Malawi to get away from the mass vaccinations. When they heard that the <coughs> the vaccinators had made it through their village and were on, on their way, they started to come back home. On their way back home, they were spotted crossing the border. The Bill Gates Foundation was alerted. He sent his hired mercenaries to hold 132 families at gunpoint and forcefully vaccinate their children at gunpoint. So that should give you an idea. If they have to point a gun at you to save you, they're not, right?
2: Right. I wanted to go back to um, your story about your sister because we kind of cut you off short. Um, okay. Sorry. Um, so you said that when she had the uh, sex- second vac- vaccination, sorry, that um, you saw. Well, you saw a difference with the first vaccination. She was mm-hmm. crying all the time. Mm-hmm. When uh, she had the second vaccination, you said that you saw a difference. She didn't make contact with her eyes anymore. Um, there was a change in her behavior. Yes. Um, what else do you feel like happened? And how, uh, did they give her any more vaccinations after that?
3: Yeah, they gave her a third shot, actually. For? Because they got paid. The pediatrist ended up getting sued for for all this, it's a long story. We sued the government for 20 million. They threw us out of court because we had a lack of evidence. The pediatrist lost all of his case file pertaining to my sister, which is illegal. You can't lose a patient case file. Right. So, but, anyways, yeah, we took her in because she was having multiple seizures during the day grand mall seizures, convulsions. We didn't know what the hell this was. Nobody trained us, nobody told us what, what epilepsy was. We had no idea. So, we take her in and it's actually before her eighth-month well-baby visit would have been, the doctor takes her in and gives her the fucking shot. And she goes into more seizures. My sister's 32 years old. She can't walk or talk or feed herself. She never could.
2: What did he think was going to happen when he gave the final vaccination after there was uh, the seizures?
3: They were trying to kill her. If you look at the batch from Eli Lilly, back before they started splitting the batches up, they split batches now, and they throw them all different places by design because it's harder to connect injuries to a specific batch number if the batch is spread out everywhere. Before they started splitting the batches up, that batch killed over 5,000 babies in two years. That is the reason for the VAERS court, the Vaccines Adverse Events Reporting System, that is the NVIC, National Vaccine Injury Court, they, they took liability from all pharmaceuticals in 1986 and got rid of it there's a tax now that pays for all of the damages that they that they incur so
2: you think that they were trying to kill her off so that there would be no proof they do that that this had occurred what did they tell you
1: they were injecting her with third time they didn't they didn't say anything at all did they they ask for permission
3: no there was no no implied consent there should be an implied or an informed consent you should sign off on that. Yeah, there was, like there here, was, here's
1: what we're going to do today. So what year was again not, was this? This was in
3: 1984. So in between 1984 and 1986, over 5,000 babies died from that batch. Of, of how did you find
2: out that that was the batch? And I mean, how did you find out that that was how many babies died?
3: Because there was reports. of it that were filed in court before the vaccine injury court got created. Everything was public knowledge. After the VARES court got created, that's all suppressed now. That is not public knowledge. That's kept out of the limelight by design so that you can't. You have a harder time. You know that, right, Lisa?
0: Mm That's true. That's right. That's true.
3: So with, with what happened to her, it bothers me because now my mother getting up there in age, who my mother is the sole caregiver of my sister, eventually she's not going to be able to do it. I am the oldest of five. I have a lifestyle that I can't just not go to work. Right. I, I have to go to work to make a living. My brother and my sister and my, other, my baby brother, none of us are prepared for this. And this is only just my sister. And to think that there are so many thousands, millions of them actually out there, That are injured, that are in her situation, that what's going to happen when the parents die off? The government wants to come in. They're going to have a quality of life court. If you do not contribute to society and you are only a burden on society, then they are going to euthanize you, like they did in 1927 when they passed the Supreme Court passed the Buck versus Bell decision, the protocol they set with that. Forcefully sterilizes women And euthanizes children That's still a precedent set today That has never changed since 1927
1: what, they, they what, can, How how would they judge Whether or not you are
3: Good question Feeble-mindedness They used that word back then Feeble-mindedness so, Or if you like to have children If you have yep. too many children You're considered They decide Promiscuous Ooh, Like China you're, I was going to say that too right, that you're considered to be t- oh, too you're poor.
4: You're poor. Black.
3: Well, Planned Parenthood. So
4: the,
2: yep. so the government does have a, a say over. They yeah. decide. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so doubtable. Buck
4: versus Bell is still on
3: the books. Look up Buck versus Bell and look up how, when they interviewed some of the Nazi scientists that were killing the Jews, basically, over in Germany, look up how they said that all they did was imitate our Indiana protocol from the state of Indiana. Mm -hmm. In 1912, we started murdering babies and sterilizing women in Indiana. (laughs) So it's pretty scary when you start looking at the big picture. Yeah, Hitler loved
4: that. Right.
3: (laughs) So the the big picture is pretty, it's a dark rabbit hole. It is not pretty. Mm -hmm. When you start to look at how the bigger ramifications of, of the mass murder are going to start folding. If you look today, this last year has been the highest infant mortality rate ever in history we are the most money spent on healthcare in the world but we have the highest infant mortality at first day of birth that's
4: and not making the news
3: in all of the industrialized nations why is that Mississippi is the highest vaccination rate in all the 50 states they have 9.71 or 9.17 births per thousand that die rate right at first day
1: Why now? Why is it like this?
3: Because UN Agenda 21 (coughs) has a protocol set up. If you look at the PDF file and it says how they want to control the world's population, the United States is at 330 million claimed. They want it to be down to 50 million by the year 2050. So if babies born today will be in their 20s, 30s by then, right? Right making babies so they need to stop the future baby makers now before they make babies before they can make any more babies so to control the population you stop the babies and then you go after what's next
1: when do you think that agenda was set in place and why
3: that agenda was before world war one because every war has been controlled by the rothschild bank if you if you're familiar with the mm-hmm. Rothschild bank, the Rothschild own everything. They own the world basically. There's 330 trillion dollars of debt cumulative for all nations. But to who? I mean, so if they if we don't pay it back, what are they going to do? Throw us all off the planet? So
4: if we really think about it, uh, I remember this being said or implied to not create more babies. To don't uh,
3: we hit. We have a 1972 Life magazine yeah. that actually has in there the Rockefeller. I don't know if it was David Rockefeller. Dave, one of the Rockefellers was a head of the uh, Eugenics Registry of America that wanted to control the birth rate in the United States. So they were starting to talk about how we could stop babies from being born He's because it like, we're going to be overpopulated. This over- is a really populated. good plan. We're going to be overpopulated by the year 2000, and we won't have enough food to feed anybody. Yeah. Is what they said made so. it
4: sound so believable if you fell for it. Right now we're
1: we're you know as as my dad always calls it food for the masses. You know, we've got food sitting on the shelf, you know, like pudding that can sit there for a year and that's that's not even food. It's like right. you know, 10 below army rations. Um, but uh, and, and after a while it's just not going to work either. Plus that's
4: you know giving people diseases too. That I believe mm-hmm. totally that's a form of population control. I think that's part of the population control. Yeah, the it, food. They're poisoning the know. air, the water, our well, foods. If you, Joe does a lot of research on the chemicals that are in our foods.
3: Look at, look at the Spanish flu. It just so happened to coincide with World War One, right? So the Spanish flu. All of our soldiers, by a a gentleman's agreement for all fighting nations, look this up, had an agreement to inject vaccines into all of the soldiers before they left. Not one soldier knows what the hell they got injected with. So now they're sent off as shedders because you're a shedder after you get injected with a virus for up to eight weeks. So they're sent off to a foreign country as a shedder, just going through hell. And in 1917, Bayer lost their patent on aspirin. So Monsanto became the largest aspirin producer in the world in 1918, which they are today. So when all of these uh, soldiers all got these flu-like symptoms... They were told to take 12 to 25, 250-milligram aspirin tablets a day to fight back their flu symptoms. They died of renal failure from Monsanto aspirin, not Spanish flu. 50 to 100 million people died in two years, and it was not the flu.
2: I also want to remind anyone who's listening that they can call in if they have any questions or um, commentary. The number is 248-579-5290. Lisa, are you still there, Lisa? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you Make <laughs> sure that you're still
1: with us. Did, did you have anything to add, Lisa?
2: Um, I wanted you. I think we're going to take a break soon, but I wanted you to talk about the that movie that you watched and your feelings on it. Um, oh yeah, Baxt. Yes, Vaxxed. Do you want
1: me to
0: talk about that now, or do you want to yeah, um, uh, take a break? And talk?
1: Yeah, you can talk about that now, because when we come back from the break, I want to talk about um, animal vaccines. Okay. okay. So.
0: so, there's this movie um, called Vaxxed that I actually recently saw, um, because my coworker is, doesn't vaccinate um, his kids, and we were kind of, like, you know, discussing it, and he was like, you need to watch this movie, Vaxxed, and... Um, it's basically about, um, it's directed by Andrew Wakefield, and Andrew Wakefield is, um, he is the doctor. He's a, he was a gastrointestinal doctor who was the one that basically sat, came out and said that he did the studies on the MMR vaccination and that, that they were linked to causing autism. And then everybody just credited him and said that um, it was all, you know, bullshit and everything, and it was like a big ordeal. And so he came up with the, this movie, and it's basically about this guy, William Thompson, who was like the head researcher at the CDC uh, for the MMR vaccination and how they did studies at the CDC to link um, MMR with autism. And he is a, William Thompson is a whistleblower. He came out and said that they destroyed evidence linking that. It does cause autism, um, and uh, basically, um, that's
2: you know that's what it is essentially about. So you you um, had you had said that he was hired to prove that that it doesn't cause autism, but he actually in reality found out that it does, and then he couldn't yeah. he didn't want to hide that. They wanted him to come front and, uh, forward and sit and lie about it to cover themselves
0: after the study was done they wanted him to be like they wanted him to go talk about it and say you know that we didn't find anything that was linked to it and he refused to do it and he made one of his co-workers um, his boss wanted him to do it and he ended up making one of his co-workers do it because he refused because he said if you make me go in front of everybody I'm going to tell them the truth I'm going to tell them what we, that the study did there was a link to MMR and autism in the study that they found and he kept he actually kept the research and came out and um, showed it, but so, um, Robert De Niro actually, this he was um, the Tribeca Film Festival. He was going to show this movie, and at the last minute they pulled it, and he was really uh, upset about it. Um, why they pulled it, I don't know. He's actually on the new a couple different like news outlets saying that he's not really sure why they pull, pulled the movie. Yeah, I, movie. I read
1: that before I came in here. I was looking up vax because I was going to watch it on Netflix but unfortunately
4: my ex had something to do some with issues, the so. the owner of Tribeca's wife she was on a doctor's board
3: mm. yeah well they had they had That's, medical that funding makes sense. they had pharmaceutical funding for that film festival that was going to get pulled
0: ah that makes sense well then they were talking and in, in, in the movie which is really fascinating is that The guy, one of the guys that's in the movie, was saying how he thought it was going to be all over the news when this came out, and and it's really not. It's not something that they really put out there in the news because of all probably all the pharmaceutical funding, advertisements, and things like that. Or who knows? Even the government, maybe they don't want they don't want people knowing that somebody that worked for the CDC, you know, they don't want this exposed. I'm sure.
1: I think it was mostly the money. (laughs) It all comes down to the money.
0: But it's a really good movie if if people see it. It's kind
2: of an eye-opener. And that one's on
1: Netflix. It's on Netflix right now.
2: It's crazy because everything is, oh, is oh, uh-huh. revolves around money and the fact that you couldn't even show it because they were going to lose money too,
4: so they had to pull it. We ended up seeing uh, Vax twice um, and met. Um, we met the Vax team. Oh, we met him again October. Uh, they came into Detroit on it's the nobody. bus. Yeah. So we met them, and they interviewed Joe. So he's on tape because they're interviewing
2: Oh okay.
3: Interviewing I, people. I signed my sister's name on the bus at number 4068, 4068. So
2: What are they doing there? Are they just traveling around different states or
3: Yeah, they're actually traveling again. They started they got the bus going and the team's going to Just gonna spreading be back awareness? On, well, they're collecting they're collecting testimonials from okay. from parents. Which is one of the things I was g- going to get into is that our show we know parents, mothers that held their 2-month old babies and held them while they died after getting vaccinated. So with the autism rate is is bad, but they're not focusing on the, the ultimate finality that the death rate is actually worse than the autism injury rate. There are more dead babies out there than there are autistic babies, and we know that and for And they a don't fact.
0: talk about it. They don't talk about no. it.
3: They won't talk about it because they want to keep the paradigm going. They need to keep the pr- protocol going because it it is culling. The population.
4: So when the babies die, um, m- most of them are labeled SIDS, the sudden infant death syndrome. So everybody's hush off. You know, parents are going, oh, must be my fault, you know, n- and nobody talks about it. So if you can imagine, you know. thousands and thousands. But if it was labeled vaccine injury death syndrome, you know, we'd all be talking okay. about it. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. So the flu vaccine has thimerosal in it still. And if anybody's, aware of, of the damages from the thimerosal, it's mercury poisoning, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go to the OSHA listings, the, the material safety data sheets, which any of us that work in around chemicals know that there are MSDS sheets on our job site for every chemical that we come in contact with. I looked up thimerosal. I work at a large automotive plant. The, the MSDS sheets came back as Causing mutagenic properties in mammalian somatic cells, thimerosal causes SIDS, causes autism, causes birth defects, causes premature death, causes uh, preeclampsia. All these issues come from thimerosal. I mean, there's other victims or other culprits out there too, but thimerosal actually states it that that's what causes something. To think about. And it's in oh, every flu shot today. There's a
1: lot of stuff to think about that we just went over. Uh, absolutely. Because, thats I mean, in my mind, the first thing I think of when people talk about um, anti-vaccination, I think mercury poisoning. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first thing I think a lot of, of us think, mm-hmm. you yes. know, because that was the first thing to hit um, mm-hmm. when anti-vaccination uh, um I, I want to say media. I don't want to say anything that sounds derogatory, because I don't want to say propaganda because I hate that term. Um, media, the first thing that was highlighted was mm-hmm. the mercury and the high levels of mercury. So
3: there's a synergistic property in chemicals. When you mix aluminum, fluoride, mercury, and lead together, 100 out of 100 lab rats die. The synergistic toxicity... Of mercury is amplified when it's attached to aluminum and fluoride and lead. So all of these things are in us and going in us. So it should scare people.
2: Yeah. Hell yeah, it does. How are there so many botched vaccines?
3: Botched as in damaging vaccines or?
2: Yes, like as far as. Because you said there there's, was a bad batch. Yeah, there's a bad batch. How, how was ca- there so many bad batches?
3: Well, they, they, they call it a bad batch. Actually, if you look at the research and look at how they tag and label it, they call them hot batches now. Yeah. They know what they are. In 1980, they started upping the adjuvant levels, which is the aluminum and the mercury in the, in the vaccines. They started pumping up the adjuvant levels to 10 times what they were when I got them as a kid in the early 70s.
2: Sorry. Do you feel um, that that is because of what you talked about earlier, trying to either kill off people or um, maybe because them trying to save money by putting certain ingredients in there? Or
3: if, if you're looking at it on an economic scale, killing off half of your customers does not make good business. So if, if you put something out there that is going to effectively kill half of your potential customers, then that's half of the income coming in. Right? So just you, by sorry. design. So so it's solely for the culling of the population. That's it. It's not money, it's not economic. It's solely to create death and they're using every excuse in their, in the book to try to divert attention from it.
2: To control population?
3: Yes. So and if, but if you look at if you look at uh Africa what? and you look at the different nations that have had that
2: sorry, I think we have a caller. Hello? Hello?
1: Caller?
5: Hello? Hi, this is Allison Barrington from Facebook. How are you guys doing? Good, how are you?
3: Hi, Allison, how are you?
5: Pretty good. Allison... I haven't heard from you one time.
3: Yes, Allison knows about Marvin Antelman, the creator of the cure for AIDS. Because Allison just so happened to work with the test that found it.
2: Wow. Well,
1: Hello. Um, Welcome to the show. We're so excited <laughs> to have you. Honored that you called. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you. It also works really well on reversing damages from vaccine ingredients.
3: Yep. So
1: it's like the the antidote?
5: Yes. Robert Gallo always had an antidote while he was, along with Luke Montagne and Peter Dewsburg. And Garth Nicholson, while they were building the AIDS viruses and some of the different diseases we see today, like the Gardasil, papilloma, swine flu, West Nile virus, Epstein-Barr virus, while they used all those in the 60s and 70s, um, they always had their end to keep themselves from dying. They just don't share it with the rest of the world. But Antelman found it and he tested it. And there's a clinical trial book about all this good effects. And it works to reverse a lot of the vaccine RNA viruses that are similar to
2: the AIDS RNA viruses. Um, actually, Casey and I talk about this many times um, on previous shows about how we believe that there is many cures for certain things that they are just not sharing with us. So um, it's lovely to hear from you and hear that uh, it confirms it to you know a degree.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. Oh, no, it, it'll totally obliterate some of them.
3: Yeah, depends on
5: just how encapsulated they are with biofilm and uh, if people keep reinfecting themselves by their exposure to chemtrails and certain foods that are implanted with them.
2: Because we always felt um, as if they had the cure, but they weren't sharing it because it would be more beneficial in their pocket wise to have people who are infected instead of giving them cures.
3: Well, Allison, you know people that are no longer here because of all this, right?
2: Um, that's correct. There, there's always that
5: element, just like with um, Dr. Broadstreet and um, a variety of different microbiologists over the past 20 and 30 years who have tried to put the word out about the nefarious intent of pharmaceuticals and the FDA in certain branches. So, yeah, some of the people on my team, if um, they've suddenly disappeared or suddenly had a heart attack, although they enjoy very good health, then they'll just be taken out. So there's always that element of danger and risk. But then there's also an element of um, a lot of satisfaction. Uh, In the past couple of months, I've had um, good results with Margellan's patients. Uh, also, uh, a woman with rheumatoid arthritis for 14 years uh, has a significant decrease in her symptoms to where she doesn't have the crippling inflammation all day long. And several um, men, young men with autism, having a reversal of their symptoms, so that now, uh, for instance, one that was 17 years old, he was always in an autistic fog, wouldn't talk with anybody, would sit in the corner off of electronic toys and then jumping around, jumping on the couches, breaking all the living room furniture. Family never had a living room set <laughs> because of his exuberance and his autistic.
3: So Al- Allison, you're talking about the the tetrasilver tetroxide, right?
5: Um, actually, I'm talking about the one part of that tetrasil, which is the monovalent silver oxide. AGO3, and it reverses the viruses that are in vaccines, and then it basically takes out what's blocking that person, whether in their liver, their kidneys, their intestines, their brain. So that 17-year-old boy at Thanksgiving is up to reading um, Dr. Seuss for the first time in his life. He can read, and he asked all the relatives that came for Thanksgiving, what's your name? You know, like, hi, I want to meet you. My name is Ted, for instance. What's your name? And these were relatives that had never talked to him before in 17 years.
2: Do you feel... I have... Sorry, Mm -hmm. I have one more question for you. Do you feel like there ever could be a full reversal of autism?
5: Well, it appears like this guy's on the road to it. And then another um, 10-year-old who was given an expressive speech delay diagnosis... Now can't stop talking, according to his mom. So wow. the the supplements that I put together are helping him as well.
2: Well, thank you for calling, and it's amazing to hear that. Yeah, that's a wonderful story,
1: and uh, thank you so much. We, uh, we have to go to a break right now, um, but thank you so much for uh, calling in and sharing that with us. That was very nice to hear.
5: Thanks for keeping the word out and informing the public. It's very important
4: mm-hmm. these words get out. Thank you.
3: All right, Allison. Love you.
4: Thanks, Allison. Thank you. Have a good new year.
1: You too. You too. Bye. Well, guys, we're going to go to a break and when we come back. I would like to hit on the
2: topic of animal vaccines. And uh, yeah, well, Lisa, you right are on? you there right now? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. You can call back once we uh, come back on the air, okay? We'll text you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank
1: you, right. guys. Bye. Bye. myself in my head okay i got Here more snare over. in my headphones <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we couldn't hear ourselves. Yeah. so of course we are back on with uh joe and linda and we are talking about um vaccinations and uh prior to the break uh we were talking about different strains of vaccinations and um some some really disturbing statistics but now i would like to get into uh animal vaccinations oh boy <laughs> this is a so, whole new ball of wax huh
3: well it it goes into genetic mutation, and if you're working with, like, cows that have milk, right? Mm-hmm. So if you give them vaccinations, eventually it affects their milk. The masses who drink their milk now are getting genetic, genetically modified organisms
1: mm-hmm.
3: or mutated organisms, basically. But
1: We, we did address on this show um, a while back about um, the increasing estrogen hormones in men uh, due to um, milk intake and um, just different weird uh, estrogen hormonal spikes that are making uh, men emasculate. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory sense. I'm saying that in a biological sense and uh, forming breasts, if you will. Mm Um, and and that's a disturbing thing too. And it, part of it was they didn't address the vaccine so much as they did um, injecting hormones just to make the cows bigger.
3: Yep, to pr- make them produce.
1: Right. Exactly.
3: So, but if they get if you get that going on with the hormone, basically in the cow, which is one thing. Then you put it in a plastic bottle with phthalates in it. You increase the estrogen in there because of the plastic.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Actually, so I mean it's tenfold. There's so much and a synthetic estrogen at that. It's not even a phytoestrogen because a phytoestrogen would be in, like, soybeans mm-hmm. if soybeans were natural anymore, but they're not.
1: No, they're not, and I'm so glad you said that because uh, I, I talk about that all the time. Everybody's promoting all this you know, positive stuff about soy. I'm like, you have to understand what, what, what kind of soy are you getting.
3: Right, because the soy farms in Illinois, Indiana, um, Ohio— there was seed shakers that would go through every season and shake the seeds out of your crops, right? And you would collect seeds for the following year's plant, or two years if you rotate corn, soy. So Monsanto sued, actually paid 72 investigators to drive around the country and check the DNA and all of these plants on farms that they didn't own, that they weren't part of.
2: Um, I think Lisa Walker is calling in right now. Lisa? Okay. Okay. Thanks for calling okay. back. Sweet. We're talking about uh, animal vaccines and if they harm the animals.
3: So Monsanto being the big time into that, right? They want to control their genetic mutated seeds. You know, they with their Roundup Ready. So when there's germination would go into the uh, an adjacent field that didn't use their seeds, they would get sued saying, well, you stole our seed to grow your crop. Hmm. Farmers lost their farms because of getting sued for something they didn't do. The four major seed shakers that would save seeds for those farms all got sued and lost their seed shakers. Monsanto is trying to control everything. My ex-father-in-law is the largest landowner in Malawi. He grows more corn in in that country than anywhere else in, in Africa. Monsanto is trying to buy him out. Why right there's something behind it but getting back to animals and vaccines and animals when you look at what 's happening with cats and dogs today it's ridiculous how many of them are dying. How many of them are getting deathly ill and sick, right? if they 're getting the crap food from China that's tainted that's toxic yeah they they're, they're I do
2: agree with that um. And anyone who's listening who doesn't know my background, I'm actually in school to be a vet tech, so I am a little bit experienced in this. Um, obviously, giving vaccinations to the animals, and um, but as far as the food goes, I do believe that uh, I only give my dog, you know, a certain kind of food, and I would never give it the kind of stuff that you're talking about because I do believe that it causes um, harmful effects. Now, my dad's on that
1: train too. You know, you know what my dad's dogs eat: steak and eggs. <laughs> Good. <laughs> those dogs eat way better than I do. Wow. So those are his babies. He will not give them dog food.
4: No I was, way. <laughs> I was reading how bad grains are for the oh, yeah. cats and dogs. Absolutely. Their, their gut. So corn is a as a grain. We're not no. supposed to eat it at all. No, no, we're not. Especially no, I'm, I'm totally r- anti-grain.
3: Roundup ready crops. If you understand what what Monsanto's R D R four D basically is, a herbicide that gets that's in the. Germination of the seed—that's part of the genetics now, so that when they spray Roundup on it, it can tolerate it, mm-hmm. which is bad because that has an enzyme on it now. That when you eat that crop, that enzyme co- goes into you. You're familiar with how you eat nuts, and, and and there's enzyme on nuts that will make you sick. You're supposed to wash uh, Brazil nuts, um, soak them, soak them. Well, I and yeah. wash, but yeah. you're supposed to soak them so that they're they're because in every nut because it's going to create another plant right so it's got an enzyme on it that saves it from being eaten by a bug or an animal
1: now is that enzyme is that what can cause that oral itch that you have in your mouth
3: it can make you have digestive issues it will make you break out in a rash I mean, it it will do all kinds of mean and nasty things to you, but it's doing its job. It's trying to make you stop eating it so that it can actually. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, a, it's a protective mechanism. Yeah, so. Yeah, because when I, I mean, I'm not allergic to almonds, but I, I love almonds and I eat them all the time. But my mouth, I would still have that, that itch or that, you know, that post nasal kind of thing. Yeah, like my yep. body is defending against the almonds, defending against themselves.
3: So basically, that crop going into animals, if you give them corn based food, is bad. Because their their bodies don't know how to handle that. Jeez, their digestive system, systems they, aren't made for that.
4: They like it raw. Yeah, yeah. heard that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> our food.
1: our bodies uh, weren't meant to process grains either.
3: Mm-mm. No, not especially not Roundup Ready grains.
4: Right, right, right. What is it? Ninety eight percent of corn is uh, GMO.
3: Yeah, but back to vaccines and animals, the <laughs> same delivery substrate, which. When I attach it to humans and I'm looking at the the effect on humans, the injection site is red and swollen, right? That is an immediate response to aluminum going in the body. That is how your immune system actually responds to trying to get the aluminum back out from the point of injection. You'll Mm -hmm. get red and swollen. Aluminum hydroxide is the delivery substrate of all vaccines, animal, human, it doesn't matter. So... The the animal has the same response as humans do, basically, from that aluminum going into their body. So, I mean, there's no other explanation for that. But aluminum hydroxide causes vasculitis. It causes a reduction of blood flow because the nerves around the outside of the blood vessels become irritated from that neurotoxin, which is aluminum starts irritating the nervous system around that. Well, then your your immune system has four stages. It has a cytokine response, which is inflammatory. It has a conversion from red blood cell to white blood cell, which makes you lethargic because you create more leukocytes. Then it has a fever because the leukocytes work better at 102 to 104 degree temperature. So you purposely create a fever to make your white blood cells more efficient. And then you have a rapid pulse because you want to deliver as many leukocytes to the affected area as possible. That's the four stages of your immune system. So when you get injected and you have the aluminum hydroxide entering into your bloodstream and it's going around your blood vessels and causing a vasculitis, a restriction of blood flow, it's because the first part of your immune system is trying to attack what is attacking the body. It's giving the swelling. It's the cytokine response, but it, it's compounded because it actually reduces blood flow. Right. So if you're reducing blood flow, you can't get the white cells there. <laughs> I mean, it's.
1: Right. I had the same response to a tetanus shot.
3: And you, you, your arm hurts, your muscle hurts.
1: Yeah. When'd you get it? Oh, um, I want to say six years ago. I, I had a, a, a second degree burn. And uh, they had asked me when was your last tetanus
4: shot. I said I don't know. I don't remember ever getting it. Was there any poop around? That's why you get tetanus shots. That's yeah. <laughs> well, it was. No, I, I was burned by a uh, space heater. That's why
3: <laughs> tetanus is actually a virus from cow poop. Basically,
4: yeah, that's the only reason you get it. The oh. shot. Yeah. So if you but step- you have to get it way before you deal with cow poop. That's why tetanus shots a scam.
3: If you if you step on a rusty needle, you're fine. If you step on a rusty needle that was dipped in cow poop, you're not fine.
4: Yeah, oh, and all oh. you need to do is bleed, because it can't live in a uh, anaerobic anaerobic environment. Yeah. So bleed, you don't have tetanus.
1: Yeah, I was uh I was in my home, and I nope. don't live in a rural area. So. <laughs> no, no
4: cow in there, huh? No. So, and there's no tetanus separate from DPT. So you got diphtheria and whooping cough also. Wow. So.
2: Based on what you said, as far as the vaccination, it causes um, irritation at the site and then mm-hmm. a almost like a bump, you said, develops. Mm-hmm. And when I was researching and I was looking up, you know, the history of vaccines and they were talking about how in 1976, Jenner took fluid from a cowpox blister and scratched it into the skin of James Phipps, an eight-year-old boy. And a single single blister rose up on the spot, but James soon recovered. And then on July first, Jenner inoculated the boy again, and this time the smallpox, with the smallpox matter, and no disease developed. So,
3: cowpox actually is what he injected him with, but, and yeah. he died. He, yeah, he, like, but, he ended so, up dying,
2: because it said that the vaccine was a success,
3: right? That's it, it. Depending on which source you look at, that talks about that. That was 1876.
4: Was it Jenner that killed his child? Uh,
2: 1796.
3: 1796. It says? Well, anyway, so they the one of them that promoted vaccination because vodka is cow, right? So and using vaccinations come from the cow pus basically, and and they thought that while injecting cow pus into humans would cause them to ha- to create an epitope that would cause a higher titer, which I call BS on that because you always create a titer to an to an exposure, no matter how it is, no matter which way you get the exposure. If it's a CD4 from your epidermis or a CD4 target, target from your mucosal uh, immune system, either one of those are going to cause you to react and create a titer. Your epitopes are going to increase, and you're going to have an antigen and you're going to have macrophage and phagocytes that are targeted to the problem by design. So the idea that they were claiming that, well, we're going to put cow pus, cowpox in this person and make them immune from smallpox. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how that function works because that's cow DNA. Doesn't work with the human DNA because our mitochondria inside our cell if I get to the nitty-gritty of it, right? So the the leukocyte, inside that is a nucleus. That has the mitochondria in it. That is the brain of your immune system. Is in every white blood cell. Every white blood cell knows how to repair any part of your body, be it bone, hair, skin, blood, whatever. It knows how to repair it because it's in the mitochondria. The mitochondria is the interpretation of your mitochondrial ribo- nucleic acid RNA so that is the brain of what you are and how to repair you so that inside that cell is triggered by an external neuron trigger from your epidermis or your mucosal you have two immune systems one is inside mucosal and the others external is your epidermis there's a CD4 trigger that has a neuron frequency that tells the mitochondria to activate send the macrophage send the vitamin D the phagocytes to the affected area that can't happen on a non exposure when they say that they have attenuated a virus or when it's a bacteria that's been cut down which I think is hilarious when they talk about cutting down bacteria to make it safe for injection if you understand how bacteria multiplies it's by duplication by splitting so when you cut the bacteria, you just make two. Mm-hmm. That's all you're doing. You're not, you're not making it smaller. You just made another one by splitting it because bacteria and the red blood cell are both the same exact pattern. The red blood cell keeps its DNA on the surface, right, on the epithelial. So And then the bacteria keeps its DNA on the surface. And when it splits, it just cuts in half and it creates a new surface, and then it cuts in half again and creates a new surface. And it and spreads it, and it grows. And it spreads and it grows. So they say that um, a bacterial injection of a killed bacteria somehow or a dead bacteria somehow is going to cause you to have an epitope or a titer buildup response. It can't because how would your body respond to something that's not a trigger? Right. You know, or a viral trigger. If it's a dead virus or attenuated virus, like they say the pertussis I've argued with many, many people over this. Pertussis as a singular dose vaccine into the 60s was murdering babies, was murdering young adults. They were trying to figure out how the hell can we make this change. So in the early 70s, they thought, okay, we'll mix it in. We'll make it an economical decision, and we'll mix it in with diphtheria and uh, tetanus. So pertussis now is a trimedia vaccine. There's three. But herein lies the problem. The human immune system can only react to one virus or one bacteria at a time. When there's more than one, there's two or more virus introduced into the bloodstream, the human immune system goes into a post-sepsis shock. The organs go into septic shock, and the immune system triggers a TLR1 and two agonists that actually suppress your immune system by design. That is AIDS. That is autoimmune disorder. It has to do that because if you have injected two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, who knows how many they stick in a child now, they stick all these viruses in them. When the immune system only knows how to respond to one at a time, it has to turn the immune system's efficiency down because all of that virus is now traveling through all of your blood. It takes one red blood cell. 25 to 45 seconds to transport or go through the entire body your blood is hauling ass mm-hmm. through your body so one little exposure poke into your arm is going to be throughout your entire body in less than a minute that multiple virus infection now is in totally across all of your blood and if your immune system worked correctly and at its peak efficiency it would kill all of your blood to, to fix the problem
2: so why do you, okay? So with vaccinations for humans, you felt like uh, that they were trying to control population, and so that's why you're against it a lot because they were putting harmful things into it and they're trying to kill people off. But what about with the animals? Do you feel like they're doing?
3: There's a reason why there are less livestock farmers out there and less free range cattle, free range pigs, goats, whatever. They're trying to control that also because that's a food source. So the the majors, the generals that have fought all of these wars over the years, know that if you control the food, you control the water, you control the world. That's simple. So
0: Holly, I have a question for you. Yes. Um, since you work with the animals and um, the vaccinations with the animals, is is this true? Because I'm not entirely um, sure, but. Do all the animals get the same uh, doses, no matter what the size of the animal? Like, for instance, my my little chihuahua, Gigi, she's, I mean, I don't even know, if she, maybe she's a pound. Um, when she had shots when she was first born, she almost died. And I was told that um, it's because they all get the same amount of shots, no matter what size the dog or, you know, animal. I don't know. Is, is there any truth
2: to that? There's a pre made well not I don't want to say pre-made vials, but there's vials and so yes that's true um they actually some of the some of the vials you have to mix with the powder and then you inject but yes it's true you have to use the whole vial for any animal so that, same for so
3: babies that's
2: why she almost died
3: one size fits all yeah toxic shot That doesn't um,
4: seem fair
2: so you said that sorry because I don't want to get this wrong um you said that the Vet said that the uh that Gigi almost died because the dosage. Well, the woman
0: that I got her that I got her from, she said that when she took her for her shots, like they like right after the shots, that she almost didn't make it. Um, and then she didn't know if it was like an overload of shots or what it was, because she was just such she's such a little tiny dog. Even when I mean, she was
2: when she was a puppy, she was even smaller. So I always just kind of wonder that if.
0: I mean, does dosage matter?
2: Sometimes they have allergic reactions too to the um, shots. Uh, so it depends on the animal. And sometimes, I mean, I think it's just like humans where sometimes it can be an overload if you give too many at once. So, uh, so sometimes they like to spread those things out.
3: So if that dog. So it
2: doesn't a, go by weight.
3: So if no. the if that dog was a pound, then there might be five to six fluid ounces of blood in the animal. For about a pound of mm-hmm. flesh?
0: Yeah, she's, she's about a pound right now, so she would have been less than that even. Yeah. She was a little teacup dog. Um,
2: usually, you know, with anything else that goes by weight, the vaccines, no.
3: That's
2: so like I mean,
0: as far as... Far the as dog goes by weight, but not vaccinations.
2: As far as you know, your regular vaccinations? I just didn't know. But I, I can't not. tell you in that occurrence because I wasn't there, and I don't know exactly, you know, what happened. But I mean, and I don't know exactly what they gave her, you know.
3: Hmm. I don't
0: know. I I never I never took her to get any more shots after that because I was she's I don't know. She's just so little, and I was I was paranoid about it, so I just never did.
2: Um. I was telling Joseph earlier that uh, because we were talking about certain vaccinations and, um, you know, I haven't been doing this for long enough to have a full response of, yes, vaccinations are the best or they're not. Obviously, they're around for a certain reason. And I do believe it's good to get them for the animals because it does prevent certain things. But um, I haven't been in this long enough to, you know, say the pros and cons of it. Uh, as far as the vaccinations, all that I know is that they have to do it on certain areas, especially because the one of the side effects is that cancer may develop. So I was telling Joseph earlier that they do it on certain parts of the body in case they need to amputate certain limbs. Because if you did it too high up, then there is no saving the animal because you wouldn't be able to amputate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: um, another question I have for you um, is that do you know this is the thing with the, with the animals too like I noticed like okay every you know year or every year or every two years you have to take them in for the same vaccines. how come with the dogs and cats like you have to do that but like with humans okay we're like oh okay you know you had your vaccines you're good but what what is it about the animals they want to keep you know telling us that we need to come in every year every two years to get the same vaccinations.
1: boosters
4: how come it doesn't last yeah. boosters yeah. But it's the same amount I, of chemical. Yeah, I just say it's. It's hard because I'm. I
2: felt like if I was a part of the pharmaceutical company and I had the knowledge and the background of that, I would be able to uh, explain that better. Like, um, can, can you speculate?
1: And we'll just call it speculation.
2: Why you would is. have to get so many like right. once a year to right. keep up?
1: What would be your best speculation? Can you explain the rabies?
3: Oh yeah, that's a toughie.
2: What do you mean by explain the rabies? Sorry, is it necessary? I do feel like rabies is necessary. Does it prevent? Yeah. It's supposed to prevent rabies.
3: It's supposed to, yeah. It, getting to the volumetric issue with the dog being a pound and maybe four ounces of blood in it, and if it's a five o- or a point five ounce injection, which is typical for humans to have a point five ounce uh, injection, so volumetric wise, that's a lot considering if the dog only has four ounces of blood.
2: Well, I feel like with rabies, especially, they want you to have t- the vaccination because there is no testing for uh, rabies. The only way to test is to kill the animal and um, cut its head off from its body so, and test it so through the, point the is, tissues of rates. the brain.
4: So it's, the yeah. point is to give them rabies to make an antibody to rabies so they don't get rabies?
2: Uh, yeah, to prevent against uh, the exposure to rabies and if you were exposed and...
4: So, yeah, there's a lot sticky. of side effects to the rabies yeah. shot. When, but when, if you look up the ingredients, um, and I, I'm sorry, I can't find the the stuff I was saving, um, but they're saying it doesn't really work. So, I'm just starting in my research, too, and we're going to put a show together soon. We have a, a holistic vet that we're going to get on the show. She doesn't do any vaccinations. Um, but there's homeopathy pills. Have you heard that? Um, I'm not totally familiar with that. So homeopathy, there are pills. there, um, and, and people could do them too. You can buy them in a health food store. Like the flu homeopathy. If you take it, it, It's that's more uh, building immunity than, than any vaccine could ever be. So it kind of yeah. gives you this flu, but it's not really the flu. Where, well, where would you find these? Health food store. Ask yeah. them. Homeopathy. Homeopathy. So, so yeah. They're tiny pills, so uh, you take how many you need for you, and you take different amounts. So, but it's yeah. you might need ten, you might need twenty.
3: But it's a different application method. It's not injection; it's ingestion. So, and they're working on the immune system, of the mucosal immune system, actually building up the titers instead of trying to push push it in the blood and force the blood to react without the trigger. Basically, is what they're going on. The premise they're going on.
1: I apologize for any background noise that we're picking up. There's another show letting out right now. Um, But um,
2: I actually hear that uh, being in in college and and I'm actually about to graduate here soon, but uh, we hear more about, or at least my teacher has talked about, more uh, debate over Lyme disease vaccination than rabies.
3: Oh my goodness. If We've got Limeys out there that's, yeah. that listen to us, and <coughs> Kathleen Dixon, <coughs> oh my goodness, there is a mycoplasma fungal disease that's in every injection, because the needles go back in to the same file, right? So there's mycoplasmal fungal disease that's inside that. Now, I have to grasp the idea that that's in every injectable vial. So as you're drawing that fluid out, you're also drawing the mycoplasmal fungal disease. If you have an attenuated virus or something that's supposed to be not latent, the mycoplasmal fungal disease will actually be a food source and create the latency or the attenuation to reverse, and that virus will now become live and active again. It is very, very strange. It is strange. But it's, it exists, and they do know about it. And the Lyme people that have lyme's disease know of this mycoplasma fungal disease because what it does inside your body, it wreaks havoc. Mm-hmm. Because the way to, to find it, you can't. Lyme's disease has no trigger. You can't send something in there and, and then read a response because Lyme's disease doesn't react that way.
4: It looks like all these other disease, numerous.
3: Well, it's, they call it the outer surface protein A. This, and then how the spirochetes shed off, they spin off, and they... So all of the triggers that you would put in there that you would look for a response for, a tighter response for, you throw the trigger in there, well, it just sheds off. It doesn't give you the response. So you have Lyme's disease, and you have no way of checking it.
4: And Lyme was created in a lab in Connecticut. Have you heard that one?
3: Well, that was no. Plum, was plum man-made. Island. Man-made. Plum Island. The, 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 the crows, the birds carried it from Plum Island to the mainland.
4: So are you
2: saying that you feel like a lot of the disease that's going on is, uh, like you said, man-made and put out there so yep. that it will benefit pharmaceutical companies and the yep. government?
3: Well, being a vet tech, right, is that what you would be considered? Yeah. So being a vet tech, you're familiar with ticks, right? And yes. T- and ticks carry Lyme's disease. Do you know how they figured out how to get ticks to carry Lyme's disease?
2: Um, no, I know that there's... a. Uh, Many different kind of ticks but the one carries it.
3: They found that out on Plum Island off of New York. The CIA actually has a bioweapons a biochemical weapons lab there. They were creating that Lyme's disease and figuring out how they could attach it to ticks to get ticks to carry that. Because they wanted to take these ticks over to these foreign countries that they wanted to fight and and infest them to have all the people get Lyme's disease over there. Well, they didn't count on a tick being carried by a crow or who knows what kind of bird back to the mainland. If you look at the spread of Lyme's disease geographically, it is in New England, is the center of Lyme's disease because of Plum Island. And they knew about it because they engineered it.
4: Also man-made is Zika virus and the Ebola virus. Yeah. Which Created is, in a lab.
3: Yeah. Ebola is a bunch of hooey. They, they talk about that in Africa as like a joke. Ebola. They think it's a joke.
1: Yeah, because it, all of a sudden we stopped talking. It's about gone. It. I felt yeah. like
3: it was a smoke screen. H one n one. Oh nope. my god, uh, crazy bird. No, was it? Uh, there was a bird. The flu. The bird flew. Uh, yeah, the H one n one.
2: Uh, Zika is the one that they're very worried about with pregnant women, right?
3: It's a false flag. They are. If you it's understand, not real. If you understand chemtrails and nano aluminum particles that are in chemtrails that are becoming on all of us. Florida is the citrus capital of the world, right? So citric acid comes from citrus from Florida, whatever. So when you mix aluminum and citric acid, you get aluminum citrate. Aluminum citrate on your vagus nerve is a 70 to 80% chance you are going to have respiratory tract failure. You will get an asthmatic response. Your lungs won't open and you will die of suffocation.
4: Aluminum from the flyover, the chemtrails.
3: Chemtrails get on the fruit fruit now synthesizes the aluminum into the citric acid in the fruit. You have aluminum citrate in the fruit, basically, and you eat it.
2: We were talking about chemtrails on a, a couple episodes ago, especially uh, when Prince died, because he had videos out of him talking Prince, about the chemtrails. Yeah. Prince knew.
3: That's why they went he after him. He was killed. So, in Florida, they are carpet bombing with spraying for the Zika virus, right? I don't know if you knew that. They're they're actually airplane... They're, Aerosolized Mm -hmm. vaccinations—they're spraying Florida for the Zika virus. But the shit that they're—that's in in there—they're spraying over top of these citrus fields. That's like
4: spraying DDT in the fifties. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So they—they spray the population, then they get sick. You know, and they say, "Well, you got the Zika virus." We got to speak
4: up about this.
2: Do you feel like they have the cure for
4: cancer? We know the cure for cancer. In
3: 1931. Dr. Otto Warburg won the Nobel Prize for finding the cause and cure for cancer. He found after studying all different types of cancers, they all had one thing in common. It was the pH of their blood. This is when you start injecting toxins, when the cancer from injecting toxins becomes so immediate. Your blood has hemoglobin, right? The red blood cell has FE iron. Women know about this more than men because women pay attention to the iron in their blood. So the hemoglobin has to be clean in order to function. So are we running out of time?
0: We've got eight minutes, go.
3: So the hemoglobin has to be clean in order to carry oxygen to displace all the toxins out of the muscles when it delivers the ATP, which is the fuel. The ATP phosphorylates and turns into ADP, and then you create a gas as an exhaust from your muscle. So if you can't bring the gas back on your blood to breathe it out in your lungs, you're going to store those gases by your muscles, like your heart, your lungs. So if those gases remain, they become acetic. They start to burn your soft tissue. If they burn your tissue, they will cause you to have holes in your heart, holes in your lungs. So your brain sends a cancer fungal tumor, which is the only other entity in the body, to encapsulate hydrochloric acid. Your stomach has a mucosal lining that will hold hydrochloric acid which is powerful enough to burn through anything, right? The only other entity is cancer fungal tumor that can hold the hydrochloric acid without burning through. Why? Because it's doing it to save your ass from being dissolved from the inside out. And as soon as your blood goes back alkaline, because if your blood is wet, it's acetic and has acid protein film on it. The hemoglobin has an acid protein film on it. It's like blowing up a balloon. When you rub it on your shirt, it'll stick to a wall all day long because you put an opposite charge on the balloon. The hemoglobin on your red blood cell works the same exact premise. So if you blow up a balloon and get it wet, you rub it on your shirt all day long. It's never going to stick to the wall, right? Your hemoglobin on your red blood cell is the same exact way. When it's wet from an acid protein film, it cannot hold on to 4-oxygen in your lungs. When you breathe in, you comb the hairs inside your lungs, like combing the hair on your head. You static charge it. You static charge that iron on that red blood cell, You make it so powerful that it pulls four oxygen through the membrane and attaches to that red blood cell. In the process of delivering the oxygen, it displaces four carbon dioxide that come back and attach to that red blood cell because it has good hemoglobin. It goes to your lungs and as you breathe in you change the polarity of your blood by statically charging it by breathing. And it causes it to release the four ox or the four carbon dioxide and pick up four oxygen. If that is covered with that protein film, none of that works. You start leaving deposits throughout your entire body that are toxic. It's cancer. So you get rid of the acid? Get rid of the acid protein film. Make your blood alkaline 7.3 to 7.4. It'll hold on to 4 oxygen. And the first thing your brain does, as soon as it realizes that your blood is is, uh, able to hold oxygen it goes right for the cancer fungal tumor and eats it as a food source first before it goes to your stored fats. Yep.
4: So there's many uh, cancer um, natural therapies, but a couple of easy ones are hydrogen peroxide.
3: You can nebulize sodium bicarbonate if you breathe through a nebulizer. If you have lung cancer stage 4, you start, start nebulizing sodium bicarbonate. You'll, you'll kill your lung cancer. If it's that bad where you're having issues breathing, you can actually drink. Hydrogen, food-grade hydrogen peroxide, 3%. Put a couple drops in it in a 6-8-ounce glass of water and start drinking it. You need to oxygenate your blood as fast as you can. So either nebulizing sodium bicarbonate or drinking hydrogen peroxide or even drinking baking soda and water will actually cause your blood to go back alkaline again.
2: And cancer you- cannot thrive in an alkaline environment. Bingo. Um, have you heard of Dr. Berzenti? Oh,
4: yeah. yes.
2: Okay. I watched that uh his, his specials on uh, Netflix before? Yeah, I just saw it, saw it again, again recently. What do you feel about that?
3: He was a pretty smart fella. He is pretty smart. He's really, in Texas,
2: I believe. Right? Yeah, he's really,
3: he, he's got different ways looking at it than most people do, which is nice um, because he's actually looking at brain cancer specifically, right? Because it's harder to attack brain cancer. But it's basically it's still the same premise. As long as the blood's clean, it can attack the cancer no matter where it is in the body. The problem is when it's in your brain, imagine now the lymphocytes in your blood, the cytoplasm in your blood, the plasma that carries all of the cure and all of the waste product from devouring the problem has to go in your blood and take, be taken to your lymphatic system to be sweat out through your glands. Well if you've got a large tumor and it can't possibly put that all in your blood, now where's it go? It's gotta go somewhere. So you might create an open sore on the top of your head. Uh, you might have a big blister or something. You might have to break out, break open. Then it'll send that the fastest way out.
2: I feel like whether you're listening and you believe, you know what, Linda and, and Joseph are saying, or, or you're against it. I feel like everyone has to see what's going on. Though there's so many people who either have cancer or stomach issues, MS, um, many other issues going on, and it's happened. I feel like more occurrences have happened yeah, there's something in the last going on. so it's, many
1: it's, years. It's, it's There's hard. too much to ignore. There's, MS is
4: curable.
3: Yeah. Yeah, um, Dr. Terry Walls cured her own cancer. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah. MD is curable. It's all curable.
2: I just feel like there's either something in the air or in the um, food.
4: Yeah, exactly. But, um, so this is know, what we like talking about on a radio show. Get it out there. Get yeah, not not just vaccines,
2: out. but I feel like we all have to be aware about everything going on in the world around us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, be, awareness is key. And uh, please say again um, the name of your show and where we
2: can find you and what days, times. And if anybody hasn't, um, they want to reach out to you and they feel like they want advice well, about what's going on with them personally and how to I'm help John, themselves and knowledge.
3: I'm, I'm Joseph Sikora on Facebook, and it's S-I-K-O-R-A. Uh, You can find me on there. I've got 5,000 friends, but if you follow me or if you PM me, I can Mm -hmm. do what I can to help you out.
4: Truth Train Radio is Tuesdays, 8 to 10 Eastern at crbradio.com. It's our new one. Or at at caveradiobroadcasting.com.
3: Yeah, so if if you want to find SoundCloud. And if if you want to go into a group of a bunch of like minded people, join Truth Train on Facebook.
4: Yeah, that's a good
3: one. Yeah, because there's doctors and PhDs from all around the world in that group. That if you go in there with a question, you are going to get a bunch of answers in you know a very short period of time. So because it's something we take very very seriously. Absolutely.
1: I wanted to thank you guys for coming on. We had an awesome show tonight. Thank you guys.
2: Thank We're you so mass. much. Thank you so much, Elisa, Are you still there? Oh yeah, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> Oh, I think we lost. Her. I'm sorry,
1: Lisa. I didn't mean to be rude. I was just so like enamored with what we were talking about. I didn't forget about you. Well we
2: love you too, Lisa, and thank you for calling in. We really appreciate shout that. Shout out to as Lisa well.
1: Walker. All
2: right. Thank you guys for All right. um being Did, on our show.
1: Yes, thank you. And, oh, she just texted uh, me you. so
2: <laughs>
1: She's like, What the hell, man? <laughs> All right, thank you guys. And uh yeah, until next time. Uh I've been on a government watch list for years, so everybody's (laughs) just been added. Yes, (laughs) everyone's been added to the watch list. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.
2: Thank you. Good night.